if, uh, if you have your note page, flip it over to the other side now. Because you will see there's reality today. There's reality. And what I want to do, um, as we get into this message, this is going to be one of those messages that I'm afraid that we're all going to hear and all be able to say, you know, that's great and all, but. That was a great thing. That was great from the Word of God, but. And we're going to throw in the but there, and that but's going to get in the way of us actually doing anything about it. So I want to challenge you today to throw out the but, to get rid of the but, and really be willing to open your heart and open your mind to what God's going to say to you today. Because it's going to be very easy for us to say, you know, uh, I like it, it sounds good, but I like what I'm not supposed to like even more. And so I want you to throw those things out, and I want you to take this, and I want you to hear it today. But let's pray to get started. God, I pray today that your spirit would have free reign in our hearts. God, for those who know you, I pray it would be open to your loving conviction to draw us even closer to you. And God, for those who don't yet know you, I pray that this message will just, just rock their souls in a way that would create a divine hunger for you. The one that truly satisfies our souls. So God, we ask you to do this work on us today and every day this week and every day of our lives. And we pray it in this name. That holy name of Jesus. Amen. The reality of today is this. Christians, non-Christians, churched, unchurched, de-churched, ex-churched, whatever you want to call it. I think this is one of the things that we struggle with the very most. And we live in a world that has seduced our soul. It has seduced us and it has taken us down to, to really eating away at us. And I think some people are like, well, why is this important? Why is it important about this idea of seducing of the soul? Well, it goes back to what we've talked about for the last three weeks. And as we wrap up today, the idea that we are not a body with a soul, but instead we are a soul with a body. That our lives do end here on earth. It's an unfortunate thing that we don't like, but at the same time it's a fortunate thing. Because we understand we get to go spend eternity with God, but for some it's not the case. And we spend so much time working on this outer shell. We spend so much time going and, and, and running in marathons and, and, uh, and working out at the gym and making sure that we're eating healthy and all these things on the outer shell that eventually will fade away no matter what. It's funny, somebody, uh, Corey and I, we, we joke about this. Um, somebody's like, I can't believe you're going to eat that. I'm like, what? It's just going to take the years off the end of my life. You know, I mean, it's really not that, <laughs> it's really not that big of a deal. I've, I've been to nursing homes, and I'm okay with not ending up there. I'm okay with, with, uh, with being, going in my prime, I guess, is the way to go. I'm okay with that. Um, because, because, you know, w- when that happens, our, our, no matter how hard we work out, and no matter how hard we try and do it, all we're doing is just, delaying the inevitable, I guess. And I'm not up here saying, hey, just go eat a big fatty greasy burger today and die of a heart attack. I'm not, I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying that sometimes we get so focused on the outside and everything that's here, we forget what's on the inside. We forget to work on our souls. We forget that God wants us to, to live clean in this contaminated world, yet we let all this junk come into our lives. We let all these things get into it. And this seduced soul is about idols. It's about idolatry. It's about things we put before God, and it gets in the way of it. Read what uh, it says in the Ten Commandments. I'm sure that you probably have heard these before, even if you've only been to church a couple of times. We kind of know what the Ten Commandments are, and most of us feel like, oh, you know what? I can name probably seven or eight, maybe even all ten if you're really good at it. But the first one, 
I think the first one is very important for us, and I think sometimes we don't think of it from a perspective of us because we don't see ourselves like the Israelites that God gave them to. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. It says this. It says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So it says, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. So why is it that our souls are so vulnerable to want to worship and be seduced by things of this world? And I think what it boils down to is this. We are not something that just worships. It's not something that we just do. It is what we were created to be. We were created to be worshipers. And we can either choose to worship God or we can choose to worship the things of this world. And God knew that and he knew that right away. And one of the first things he says is, Listen, don't put anything before me. The first rules, if we want to put them that way. He didn't give all the Israelites rules right up front. This was after they had been following him for a while. This is after they been doing it. He said, hey, this is the first one. And the funny thing is, is when God is giving these rules, Moses is up on top of a mountain, and what's going on down below? They're building a golden calf because Moses hadn't come back soon enough in order to worship it. Even though they had fully experienced God face-to-face, seen the things he had done, watched the waters part, watched them close, watched the fire to get the fire at night, watched the cloud to follow during the day. They saw all of that stuff, and yet as soon as Moses leaves, all of a sudden they're like, ooh. Well, God says, hey, this is the first thing I need you all to understand. This is what I need you to understand is that there is not to be any gods before me. And yet we fall into this love affair with these counterfeits these things that we think should be before god the things that get our time the things that get our money the things that get our attention the things that get our conversation these things that come before god and yet we think man my life is full but yet it's still so empty i have so much stuff yet my life is still so empty why is that it's because We do not have that missing puzzle piece when we do not have God in our lives and in first and doing what we're supposed to do because there's nothing on this world, nothing on this earth that can satisfy the craving and the desire that we have to worship God and have Him first. In fact, I love the way it says in verse uh, verse 16 of 19 of Deuteronomy chapter 4. It says, Do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground or a bird in the sky a small animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all forces of heaven, don't be what? Seduced. Seduced into worshiping them, for the Lord your God gave them all to the people of the earth. And I like that phrase, don't be seduced into worshiping them. Because I think, you know, a lot of us, when we see a squirrel, we're not going to be like, oh, God, little furry squirrel praise Jesus. No, that's, we're not going to be worshiping those things. When we look up in the sky, we're not going to say, oh, look, look at the stars. I need to worship them. We're not going to do that. That's not going to be our immediate reaction because we think people are foolish that do that. But we can be seduced into it because seduction is one of those things that just kind of pulls you in slowly. He says, don't, I know you're smart enough not to just make the decision right now, but the seduction that slowly pulls you in. And he's talking about it. And we look at the idolatry of the Old Testament, we think, How dumb. How pathetic. They took all their gold together to build a big gold calf to worship. What? I mean, honestly, nobody would do that, would they? 
And we look at that and we think about that and we say, you know, they, they built poles and worshipped them. And they built altars to other gods and worshipped them, thinking that was going to give them fertility, thinking that was going to give them wealth, thinking that was going to give them things. And we say, no way would we ever do something like that. I do not have an Azure pole in my backyard and I don't have an altar to Baal. Well, you know what I got inside my house? I got inside my house a TV. And that TV at 11 o'clock will have a Cardinals-Packers football game on it. And my son has his jersey on this morning, and I'll probably go put mine on, depending upon if they're winning or losing, because that always tends to, you know, shift the, the, the atmospheric pressures. When I put my jersey on, the game tends to change. So, I mean, you know, that's just the way it is. You all know that's a superstition commercial that uh, that one uh, alcoholic beverage uh, puts on. You know, those things. There's, there's real superstition, and like they say in the commercial, it's only magic, but it's real. Um, but the, the whole thing is, is, is we start... We're looking at the TV, and then we're like, oh, and, and, hey, what about when we walk into our house? And our house is like, wow, look at this. This is kind of my little idol. And hey, I'm looking at my little kids. They're kind of my little idols because I'm always doing stuff for them. I mean, we say we're not going to be like these Old Testament. We say we don't battle with the sin of idolatry. We're not idolizing. We don't have little sculptures in our house that we're bowing down to. We don't have that, do we? And then you pause for a second and you say, wait a second. I kind of do. Mine's just a little bit more technologically advanced. The problem is, is I don't think we even recognize it. The football, the food, the movie stars, the music, the cars, the stuff, the list goes on. And without even knowing it, we lift these things above God and say, these are important. And you might say, no, 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 I don't do that. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. Just take two seconds and think about who you spend more time with, who you spend more time staring at and getting information from. I think Jesus knew we would struggle with it, and that's the reason why he asked the question, and we talked about it last week. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit our, his soul? And, you know, I, I think about our class that's going on uh, at 9 o'clock in the mornings. One of them is through the book of Romans, and I'm not sure how far and how quickly you're going through Romans, but Romans chapter 1, verse 25 Paul also kind of echoes it. Let me get to it here real fast. Romans chapter 1, verse 25 says this. It says, I apologize. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served something created instead of the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I think when Paul says it, when Jesus says it, he's saying they're both, they're both coming to the same question. Is it really worth it to worship the things that were created. They worship the blessings we've been given instead of the blesser, instead of the creator, instead of the, the one who is over us, who has done it all for us. Why is it that we twist things like that? And once again, it goes back to the fact that we were created to worship. We're created to worship something, and if we take God out, we'll put something else in. And that's just a, a, a hard, cold fact. And that's a really heavy question from Jesus. With everything the world has to offer, is it really worth it to give up with everything that God has to offer? And I think the first thing we need to do, the first thing we need to do even today, and if you have your notes right in there, the first thing we need to do is this, is we need to recognize and learn to identify the idols of our souls. Because for every one of us is different. For every single one of us is different. What have we, what have you elevated to a supreme place or something that is above God? What have you done? What have you taken? What have you twisted to make it greater than God? 
What ranks higher than God? Psalm 24, 3 and 4 says this. It asks this question, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4 says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol. Now, here's a challenge today, and like I said, it's going to be very easy for us to say, well, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's very easy for us to rationalize and say, you know what, that's not a, an idol, that's just a hobby. That's just something that I do on my spare time. And you know what, God has given us hobbies, and I completely agree that, that we can have those things in our lives, and we can have those things be there. They just can't be number one. And a lot of those times, those things start to stack up, and time starts to stack up, and effort starts to stack up, and money starts to stack up, and all the things start putting away above God. And that's where we have to be at today. Because there's three questions, and I've already said them a couple of times, there's three questions really how to identify an idol in your life. And the three questions are this, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, and what you talk about, how you spend your time talking in conversation. Ask yourself that question. I mean, if you really said, you know, Xbox is not an idol. PlayStation 3 is not an idol. Let me tell you something. It's been a long time since I played video games. And part of the reason why was because I could easily sit down and play any one of those games, any one of those war games, the modern warfares, any of those, those ones where you're hunting people down and you've got to go, I just got to get down with this level. I just got to get down with this level. I just got to get down with this level. And I could sit down at 10 o'clock when all the kids went to bed, all, and Christy's going to bed, I'm like, I'm just going to play for just a couple minutes. I'm not even joking, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I just got <clears> to <throat> get down with this level. Four hours straight. Now that might be, not be you, like I said, not everything that I talk about is going to relate to you, but I think you have your own things. You have your own things that easily step in. Every time you talk, what way is your conversation go? When your time comes up and you have to choose what to do with your time, because we have all the same amount of time, and we say, well, I don't have enough time to do that. I, I can't do that because of this. We all have been given the same amount of time. So when it comes to that, where's your time going? We all have money. Where's your money going? Where's your conversation? Where's your effort? Is it going towards God or is it not? Because I think that'll make it very clear where we're at. And I don't know. I don't know what your thing is. And I could list off all kinds of things. The first thing that for some reason that popped in my mind was homes. A home. Our home has a tendency to become this idol because we want it to be something more than what God has created it to be. Our home is a place for us to stay. Our home is a place for us to entertain. Our home is a place for us to have people and to grow up a family. And that's what a home is for, is to keep us warm from outside. But we, we can lift it up and say, hey, I want to have the best home in the block and the best Christmas lights. I want to have all this. I want to have, 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 have. And, and I even have to have the, the right thing from the right store that sits on this little pedestal thing that's over here that doesn't, nobody really knows. But I notice it because that's what I, and we get into this and those kind of things pop up. For some people, it's their image. They've got to have the right body, and they've got to have the right tan, and they've got to have the right hair, and they've got to have the right teeth, and they've got to have the right whatever it might be. For some, it's our children. And I'm not saying that our children are not important. And I, I mean, I, that's without question, our children are important. But sometimes we tend to bow down to them. We bow down to their schedules. We bow down to making sure that, as terrible as it sound, that we can live vicariously through them and give them all the things that we didn't have and, and make sure that they are spoiled. And make sure that they are take, I mean, taken care of. That's what I meant to say. Make sure that, that, that their life, that they're, they're, I mean, they're going to be the next soccer star. 
They're going to be the next polo star. They're going to be on the 2032 Olympic team. We know that already. You know, those are the things that we, we give all kinds of stuff to and we put it above God in, in a, kind of in a weird, twisted sort of way. We're, we're teaching them at the same time that not only is it okay to put something before God, but that they can be before God. And we're teaching them that. It could be hobbies. Your Saturday morning thing is more important than the Sunday morning thing. I might be crazy to say this, but I think some people actually identify, uh, idolize their online identities. Hey, guess how many friends I have on Facebook? Guess how many people retweeted me this week? Guess how many, guess how many? Uh, we get into that thinking that is what's important. And so today, what I want you to do is I want you to look at your life and I want you to be honest with yourself. I don't want you to lie to yourself because you know if you're lying. I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest with your spouse. I want you to be honest if you're in a Sunday morning connection group and this comes up. I want you to be honest there for somebody to hold you accountable in what you are doing and why you're doing it. What is it that we are putting in front of God? I want you to name your idols. And I know that's a difficult thing to do, and I know it's one of those things you're like, eh, you know, that, that puts me in a little bit of a vulnerable place. Well, because you're worried about it, let me start off with mine. Let me name some, and I've got a list, Okay. And if we had the all day long, I could sit and talk to you about it. But instead, what I'll do is I'll give you a couple of them. The first one I want to talk to you about is this. I like stuff. Okay? Plain and simple. I like stuff. Stuff is good. Stuff is relevant. I like the new things. I like the next new thing. The problem with stuff is, is this, is that today's great things are tomorrow's clearance items and Craigslist deals. And we forget about that. And I've learned that because as we are stocking up our new offices with things off of Craigslist, this guy's like, well, I paid $700 for it up new. Up new. I'm like, well, that's your fault. I'm going to give you $100 for it. You know, that, that's kind of that's where it's at. That, that we, we just kind of lay it out and say, you know, this is technology. And technology is constantly changing. Don't believe me? How many people are dissatisfied right now with their iPhone 4S because they have an iPhone 5 and out now that's got a little bit bigger screen and got a little bit faster processor. Lots. Because they sold millions of them. Okay? People want the next great thing and you can go on Craigslist now and get an iPhone 4S for a whole lot less than you would have up front. And you go any, any one of those kind of things. And it's amazing. I was reading, this is actually kind of, this is the book that um, called Soul Detox by Craig Rochelle that I kind of based all this off of. As I read through, but I want to read you something that is, uh, that is in here. Um, it says this. It says, like a smoker enjoying a cigarette, knowing that each puff damages his lungs, many people willingly inhale the toxic lies of materialism at the expense of their soul's health and their effectiveness for Christ in the world. Instead of living with substance and strength, they ingest the lies of materialism and suffer from the mood poisoning. When our moods and emotional needs depend upon acquiring more possessions, more money, more toys, then we're in for a toxic shock when we find out that our hands are full and our hearts are still empty. Jesus asked, what good would it be for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Solomon distilled the essence of the problem in Proverbs 13.7 when he explained that some people like to pretend to be rich, but in reality they have nothing. They might own an iPhone, an iPad, an iPod, but they can't afford to feed their iBody dinner at a restaurant without going into debt. They believe the lie that more things equal more meaning in life. And our consumer-based, retail-driven economy is more than happy to provide more things to enrich your life. Every single day of the year, we dive into a pool of poison with a play-now, pay-later mindset. This is especially true for the younger generation who have learned bad habits from their parents. According to a recent article, 60% of workers under the age of 30 have already cashed in their retirement. 
A whopping 70% of them have no money whatsoever in cash reserves. Nevertheless, they keep spending and charging. Although the generation of 20 and 30-somethings has many positive traits, one of the negatives is their spirit of entitlement. I deserve it. Life is short, and I want it now. It's not uncommon for a young person or a young couple in their 20s to believe they deserve the same lifestyles as their parents who worked 30 years to achieve it. That is it. That is the mindset that we live in. We live in this entitled generation saying that I need, I need, I need, I need. When it's really I want, I want, I want, I want. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but in your mailbox as of late, have the Christmas catalogs started coming? Have the Christmas toy catalogs from Kmart and Target and Walmart and all those things come? And our kids love them. They love, it is, it's reading material. Who cares about reading a book when you have the Target gift card or gift catalog? And that's every page, I want, I want, I want, I want. And we've told them, turn off your wanters. Turn off your wanters. You can look through it, no problem, but turn off your wanters. Because we always want, we always want, and we always want. Speaking of wanting, you know, I said there's some great things this world has to offer, and I like it. I like the stuff that is there. But the other thing I like to want is I like, I like people to like me. That's another one of my idols. I like people to like me, and I, I put their opinions on a pedestal. And you know what? In the position that I'm in and in the, the job that I'm in, I found out that not everybody likes me, and that's hard. That's hard to deal with. And it has been. And when I was a youth pastor, it was even worse because if I upset little Billy or, or little Jenny at any point in time, mom and dad did not like me anymore. I could have been their favorite the day before. And then I, that was hard. And, you know, I've had to understand that what I need to seek approval from is not from men, not from moms, not from dads, but from God himself. And that was a hard thing for me, and it's still hard for me. When somebody leaves the church and says, hey, this is the reason why I'm leaving, it doesn't matter. I still deduce it down to the fact they don't like me. And that's a hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow. And idols can so easily get in the way and put themselves above God instead of listening to God, instead of paying attention to God and understanding that God takes care of our needs. He doesn't always take care of our wants, but he takes care of our needs. And there's so many different things. Like I said, my list could go on. There's so many different things that we put in front of God. And I want to challenge you to name them. And not only name them, but once we name them, the next thing we need to do is tear them down. We need to tear down our idols. Tear down our idols. You know, God doesn't ask us to manage our idols. He doesn't ask us to tolerate our idols. He doesn't ask us to, uh, to share time with his idols. He actually says to tear them down. If you look in the, the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 25, God has been talking to Gideon off and on about getting the, the, the Azure poles and, and getting uh, Baal out and people back to focusing on God. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the center of town and I want you to tear down. Look at what it says in Judges six twenty-five: Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Azure pole beside it. Not just put a do not enter sign over the top of it. Not just, hey, be careful when you're around this. Tear it down. And you know what it's going to do? Well, if you read on in Judges chapter 6, you see the people of the town get really upset. And they find out that it was Gideon who did it. And they go to Gideon's dad, who had these. They were his. They go to Gideon's dad and say, he needs to die for this. And his dad says, hey, if Baal's a real God or Azure's a real God, let him deal with it. If he's upset, 
Let him strike him down with a, with a bolt of lightning or whatever it might be. Let that be the way it happens. And the reason why he had to do it, the reason why he had to tear him down is because God wanted him gone. And you know, I think my greatest fear from this message as I was preparing it this week and as I was typing it out and as I was reading through this, my greatest fear was is people would say, you know what, that sounds great, but I really, really love my idol. I really, really love that thing that is in my life. I really, really love it. I understand that my kids get in the way sometimes and their schedules and all the things they have to do to do six practices and four games on a weekend and all the things. But I really, really love it because I want them to succeed and I want them to do this. And we use that excuse. Or I love my career and I'm giving my family more by making more money. And because money equals happiness, right? We all know that, even though we say it's not the truth. And we, we all believe it. And that's the thing we get sucked into because the only way we're going to be happier is we just have a little bit more. And we have these thoughts and we have these things go through our minds. And we don't care that our marriage is screwed up or that our kids are in trouble, that our teenagers are getting all crazy and stuff. Because we're there to provide more for them. And that's what it's about. Or the material things. The material things. You know, we have an election coming up this week, and it seems like constantly it's all about national debt. I mean, when you live in a country that, that spends more than they make, the people are naturally going to follow. Did you know that the average person sitting in this room spends 136% of what they actually make in a year? That means 36% more than they actually make kind of crazy that means if you really break it down really fast and you make fifty thousand dollars in a year and you're spending sixty eight thousand dollars in a year means you're eighteen thousand dollars in debt every year doesn't take long for that to add up i mean eighteen thousand dollars is already enough but that's that's crazy to think about people want the cars the house the trip the shoes the purse the boat whatever it might be we want, we want, we want, we want. And what is hard to understand, what's hard to understand is found right there in the front of your bulletin. We've been seduced into worshiping something that never satisfies. And we forget that God is there and he's waiting. And some people think, well, God's just there to be a big angry judge. He hates us. He doesn't like what we're doing and he's just being mad at us and that's the reason why we're in debt. No, you're in debt because you made bad cho choices on how to spend your money. God is there to tell you what to do. As a matter of fact, he, he runs into, when he's on this earth is in the form of Jesus, he runs into this guy who has all kinds of stuff. He has all kinds of stuff. And Jesus looks at him in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, and he says, Jesus looked at him and he what? He hated him. He threw things at him. He screamed at him and he, he told him how wrong he was, right? He rebuked him over and over and over again. No, it says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He loved him. Do you understand that God loves you? And when he asks us to tear down our idols, it's not because he wants to punish us. It's not because he doesn't want us to flourish in this world. It's not because he doesn't want us to be the next coolest thing. You know, I go back to the, that idea of the, the things of stuff that I've wanted. Ever since I was a little kid, I've wanted the stuff because stuff does what? It helps us fit in. Come on, those of you who are my age, if you had a guy playing polo on your shirt, a little alligator on your shirt in junior high, that got you into the cool crowd. 
If you had a, I loved riding BMX bikes with all my friends, but I had a generic Target bike, and all my friends had Haro and Diamondback and, and Redline, and if you're into that stuff, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I wanted a bike like that so I could be cool. Now, when I was in high school, I remember wanting Mossimo clothing. I'm not sure if you remember that either, but now they sell it at Target. My punishment when I was in high school, or when I was in junior high, I mean, if I got bad grades in my report cards, you know where I got shoes from? Kmart. That was my punishment. I know that sounds terrible, and you laugh and you giggle, but you think, yeah, I wouldn't want shoes from Kmart either. You know, that is, that is what, what, what it was. It was like, if it was on Blue Light Special, you were in big trouble, and if you know what Blue Light Special is, you're old enough. But that was, that was punishment, and, and it's like it was bred into us from a young age, and it's always been there with us. And, and this guy, he loved his stuff that Jesus was talking to. He wanted to have nice things, and Jesus talk, talked to the guy. And the guy's first question was, when he first started talking to him, even before Jesus looked at him and loved him, was, what can I do to earn eternal life? What can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you've got to follow my commands. I've done that. I'm good. I've done all that stuff. He was all great. The only thing is, is Jesus could see into the guy's heart and knew that he loved things more. And he said, all right, now what I want you to do is one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll have a treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Give all your stuff to the poor. This is obviously an idol that you need to tear down and get rid of. Sell it all to the poor and then come follow me. The guy's response Walks away. Walks away sad, walks away disheartened because he loves his stuff more. And I think my big fear today is, is that some of us in here may walk away sad and say, you know what, I just can't give it up. And some people I've talked to say, well, Jesus would never make us sell all of our stuff to walk closer to him. We're not supposed to be monks. We're not supposed to live in a monastery. We're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. My thing is, is you may be right, but you also may be wrong because if their stuff is that much of an idol to you, He's going to tell you to tear it down and get rid of it. He's going to challenge you to do it. Maybe he's doing it right now. Through whatever I'm saying, you're hearing something that God only is speaking to you about, that he is speaking to you on the inside. And when we tear down that stuff and we have all this stuff in our lives that we finally get rid of, we're going to have a huge emptiness. And you know what to fill it with? Fill it with God. Fill your soul with God. Let me give you three verses. Three verses found in the, in the book of Psalm. And... I want you to hear them, and I want you to hear the language in them. And as, as you hear them, maybe even respond with me on, on how the psalmist is talking to God. He says, my soul, what? Yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Psalm 107, 8 and 9 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. The English Standard Version actually says it this way, Wherefore he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with him? Now let's be honest with you. Just for a second, let's be completely honest. When we talk about God, when we are 
talking to people about God, about a relationship with Him, if you talk to Him at all, do you use these words? Are these the words that come out? My soul longs and it yearns and it thirsts and it desires everything that God has. No, we don't say that because people think you're weird. But what do we say it about? Oh, man, my soul just desires that new 55-inch LED, 3D, 240 hertz, backlit, blah, 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 blah. You just add it all in there. Oh, the new cars. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I have a hard time driving home from work. I work at uh, my office right now. It's at First Baptist, and I go down 528, and there's the Don Chalmers used lot. And I'm always like this, driving in my 03 Ultima few dents and dings in it it still runs it still gets there but i'm always like hey but that's got navigation on it hey well scope breaks you know don't want to there's a lot of accidents there and i think it's all the same reason you're always looking for the next thing even though we have what we need there's always something else that is out there always something else that we're thirsting for that we're fainting for that we need that we crave problem is it's not god our lives have this tendency to go after these things, yet it also has a tendency to be empty. And I think the reason why it's empty is because we have this high expectation of what the world has to offer. Let me challenge you to lower your expectations. Lower your expectations on what the world has to offer us. Why? Because we weren't created for this world. We were created for the kingdom of God and its glory. And your soul will never, never be satisfied with anything that this world has to offer. Does money buy happiness? We'll answer no. But yet, hypocritically... If I asked you, would a little bit more money make things better? You'd say yes. You, you, you know I'm telling the truth because I do it myself. Well, no, money doesn't make you happy, but if I just had a little bit more of it, things would be better. And it's always that way. Always that way. Over and over. You have no idea. No idea how badly I want this message to get through, and I think part of the reason why is because I want it to get through to me too. I don't want to settle for what this world has to offer because what this world has to offer was created by the one we're supposed to be worshiping. And yet we forget that. We forget that on a constant basis, and we're constantly bombarded with TV ads and radio ads and catalogs coming in the mail and things on the Internet. They have little ads popping up and flashing in the corner, whatever it might be, and I'm constantly seeing it. I'm like, oh, I just, oh, I just want, I just want, I just want. And it tears us up inside. And what I want to do today is every day we've had so far is I want to take a minute to detox. I want to just have it be plain and simple. There was a song. It seems like every every time so far we've wrapped this series up every Sunday, an old hymn came to mind, and another old hymn came to mind for me. And if you've been in church a long time, there was one that said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And then the things of earth will go what? Strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If we're focusing on Jesus and we're filling our soul with him, all the junk of this world will grow strangely dim. So what I want to do is I want to ask the band to come forward. I'm going to ask them to come forward, and and we're just going to play through that song. Not going to sing it, just play through it. And as it plays through, I want you to think about that. And then we're going to have the opportunity to sing along with it in a few minutes. But, But right now, just... 
focus on that. And I'm just going to sit down here in the front, and, and uh, I'm actually, I'll give you an opportunity, if, if you want me to pray with you, let's do it after this. Let's just take time between you and God and just say, God, this is, this is the idol that I have in my life. You know what it is. God, help me to recognize it. Help me to tear it down. Help me to fill you in its place. That's what I'd like to see happen right now. And then afterwards, I'm going to give you a little challenge because this is probably the absolute worst time to give this message because Christmas is only what, six, eight weeks away and Black Friday is only like three weeks away and Cyber Monday is three weeks from tomorrow and those things, that, those are hard to say this out loud with but I, I've got something that after we're done with this I want you to, uh, to think about and even potentially uh, join me in so I'm going to turn it over to you, Joe. Thank you. 